Get me back to my wife and kids. Help me, Clarence, please. Please. I want to live again. I want to live again. I want to live again. Please, God, let me live again. Hey, George! George! You all right? Hey, what's the matter? Now get out of here, Bert, or I'll hit you again. Get out! What the Sam Hill are you yelling for, George? You... George? Bert, do you know me? Know you? <laughs> you kidding? I've been looking all over town trying to find you. I saw your car pile into that tree down there, and I thought maybe you... Hey, your mouth's bleeding. Are you sure you're all right? What you... Of course, that's Jimmy Stewart in probably everyone's favorite Christmas movie, right? It's a Wonderful Life. Everybody know It's a Wonderful Life? Yes, everyone's seen that one. Yay. Well, it is a Wonderful Life, and that starred Jimmy Stewart, and he was so grateful in that part. He was so thankful for Clarence. Remember Clarence? Second-class angel without wings. We'll find out a little bit more about that later on. All right, so we are at the tail end. For those of you that are brand new here this morning, we are at the end of a sermon ser- series on called Real Christmas, and we are looking at uh, the Gospel of John, the writer of John, through the lens of different Christmas movies. So we're looking this morning at John 10.10. 10. We're stepping out of John 1 into John 10, verse 10. Jesus said, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, these words are very familiar to many of us. We sort of take them for granted like other passages in the Bible. I pray this morning that you would awaken in us maybe a deeper sense of the meaning of these words today so that we might be truly grateful people. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, those words are very familiar to many of us, but you may not necessarily know the whole context of John 10.10. In order to really appreciate the context of those words, you've got to go back all the way to the beginning of chapter 9. Because you remember that when the Bible was written... The Bible did not the Bible writers did not include chapter headings and ver, and verses. It was just one long continuous narrative. So chapter 9 is one story and it leads right up into Jesus's words in verse 10. So in chapter 9 at the beginning of chapter 9 we have Jesus and his disciples and they come across a man who is born blind. And they the disciples ask Jesus a question. They they ask him, "Who sinned, Jesus?" 
this man or his father? Now that was a that might have been a very normal question for them to ask in that day because the prevailing teaching of the rabbis was that um, defects, uh, blindness, uh, inability to hear or speak, they were somehow God's judgment upon us, either for something that we had done in this life or even in the womb or possibly something that our parents had done and we were receiving punishment for what our parents had done and therefore we were, we were subjected to these different defects in life. That is a horrible worldview to have to live within. Can you imagine that? It reminds me a little bit of, of, of Hinduism and karma. The idea that the blessings and the curses that you receive in this life are because of things that you've done right or wrong in the previous life. If you've ever been to India, you know how destructive that can be on a culture. The truth is that suffering is part of life. We live in a fallen world. And there are things that happen to us every day that are not any fault of our own. But they may affect us. And so Jesus corrected this false teaching in verse 3. He said, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. God's desire is to give us abundant life. And if we're not experiencing abundant life, then his desire is to bring redemption to some aspect of our life so that we will experience the fullness of the abundant life in Jesus. Jesus is abundant life. He is life. In fact, he said in John 14, 6, I am life. I am the life. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Just a few verses later, Jesus says to Philip, one of his disciples, he says, Philip, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. So Jesus is life because when we come to Jesus, we can come, we have entree to the Heavenly Father, and we can lay all of our our sins, all of our concerns, all of our burdens, all of our cares before the Father in heaven, and he hears us, and he will answer them according to his perfect will. The Father wants to bring salvation, healing, and redemption to this broken, sin-ravaged world so that people might experience new life and glorify God. The Pharisees kept people shackled in false teaching, and Jesus called them thieves. John 10.10. Thieves. Thieves. They're thieves who come to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come to bring life and life abundant. So this morning, our, our theme, our message is really simple. I can kind of boil it down to one word, and you can take this home with you. Gratitude. Gratitude. Gratitude for your past, gratitude for your present, and gratitude for your future. First of all, gratitude for your past. And by the way, gratitude is probably one of the least talked about, but maybe one of the most important spiritual practices you can do in order to have a healthy soul. Gratitude for the past. At the end of the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, which we just watched, George Bailey, prior to him being given a new lease on life, he wished he had never been born. He was not grateful for his past. 
Throughout his life, he struggled with wanting to get out of the small community of Bedford Falls and never seemed to be given that chance. Uh, a number of things happened. Um, at, when World War II came, George couldn't, George couldn't join the army because he couldn't hear out of one ear because of an incident that happened when he was a, when he was a young, young boy. And he jumped into a frozen lake and he saved his brother Harry. And then later on in life, as George saved up money to go to college, he gave his money to his younger brother so that he could go to college. It just seemed like circumstances never worked out for George to get out of Bedford Falls. And yet, God used George Bailey in Bedford Falls for his purposes. Because of the unexpected death and passing of his father, George took over the, uh, the, the business and loan there, and he was responsible for helping many people uh, have home ownership, which they would not have been able to have if George Bailey had not been there in that savings and loan. Let's, let's watch this next clip. You rented a new house? Rent! <laughs> you hear what he said, Mr. Bailey? What's that? I own the house. Me, Giuseppe Martin, I own my own house. No more we live like a pigs in this Paris field. One more, Hurry, hurry. I don't know if you remember that scene or not, but George and Mary Bailey are helping the Martini family and their kids move out of their rental into a new home that they have there in the new Bailey uh, complex of homes. They're able to buy a home. Are you grateful for your past? That's a question that some people have a hard time saying yes to. If you have a difficult time answering yes to that question, have you ever considered how God would like to redeem your past for His glory? I'm sure for the man that was born blind, if he was asked that question, are you grateful for your past, he would have said unequivocally, no. Life must have been extremely hard and difficult for him. Based on the the rabbi's teaching of that time, he would have been excluded from temple worship. And he probably led a very lonely, isolated existence. Even after Jesus healed him, he was kicked out of the temple because he was healed on the Sabbath. The guy couldn't catch a break. Then he ran into Jesus again. And Jesus asked him the question, Do you believe in the Son of God? And the man who could now see said, Tell me, tell me who that is. Please, please let me know. And Jesus said, the man that you are looking at is he. And he said, I believe. And he worshipped him. In an instant, Jesus transformed an agonizing, purposeless existence into one that had meaning and beauty. God wants to take the difficult circumstances of our lives and make them into something beautiful. We say in Celebrate Recovery that God never wastes a hurt. 
He wants to heal and redeem the broken parts of our story. In It's a Wonderful Life, the director, Frank Capra, does an interesting thing. He, he uses reflection. He's constantly going back in the movie, looking back at the life of George Bailey so that people understand why George is the way that he is. Whether the director intended it or not, he was helping generations of people learn how God takes difficult circumstances and makes them beautiful if we surrender our lives to him. Imagine that coming out of Hollywood. In Celebrate Recovery, we go through a similar process. People reflect back on their lives. They reflect back on some of the difficult times of their lives. And they walk through a process of forgiveness and making amends with people that brings about transformation. God wants us to have gratitude for our past. Not because everything in our past is perfect. Far from it. He wants to have gratitude for for our past because he wants to be invited into our past to redeem that which was broken and ugly so that he can make it something beautiful for his glory. God not only wants us to be grateful for our past, but he also wants us to have gratitude for our present. Jesus wants you to experience abundant life today even if your circumstances aren't what you would like them to be. A few weeks ago, a number of us in our life group went over to Paul and Diana Wimber's home uh, shortly before Paul's passing. Paul had terminal cancer, and hospice care had come in. They brought a bed into the living room area, and we were all with him. Uh, One of the members of the life group uh, shared the book of Ephesians by memory, phenomenal gift that he has and he recited that what made that gift even more spectacular was the fact that he had had two brain operations that year and he still could do that we sang songs we celebrated communion uh, we thank God for his blessings and his mercy uh, in in our life in our lives the Holy Spirit's presence was very palpable Abundant life, even as God was preparing Paul for his next stage of life. I experienced deep gratitude at that moment. Gratitude for my friendships with the Wimbers, with people in the life group, for the fellowship at Chapel Hill and for this body, the fellowship that we have in Christ. It's so important to practice gratitude in the present. I very much appreciated this sermon series that Pastor Mark and some of the other pastors did prior to Advent, our hospitality series, the call to look around and to meet somebody new, the call to maybe sit in a new location, the call to even invite neighbors who you maybe haven't talked to for a while or have thought about inviting the church, but invite them to Christmas Eve or to a service. And you know what? All the changes that have been going on, all the, the admonitions that you've been given, they've been having an effect. Those of you that have read the recent e-bulletin from Pastor Mark this weekend know that all of the changes and the kind of the stirrings of things going on have actually produced some, some really wonderful results. On Christmas Eve, we had over 4,000 people. That's 21% higher than the year before. 
And the largest gathering of, of worshipers at Christmas Eve here at Chapel Hill since 2010. The preaching pastor uh, on a Sunday calls the first-time visitors after worship that day or the next day and greets them, says hello, that sort of thing. And I had that duty this week to give some of our pastors a break. And one of the women that I talked to on the phone had recently moved to Tacoma. Uh, She had visited Chapel Hill now one or two times. And she was just amazed at the gregariousness and the the uh, the warmth and the love that was coming out of the people at Chapel Hill. Good job, church. Way to go. And you're probably thinking, was I that way? But you know what? That that warmth, that love doesn't come out of somebody's soul unless they're grateful for what God is doing in your life in the present. And so that's your way, that's our way of reflecting God's love to the people around you, both those that have been here for years that maybe you've never met, as well as those who are brand new. Good job. Keep it up. Well, God not only wants us to be grateful for the past, but he also, and, the pre, and the present, but he also wants us to be grateful for the future. God has a wonderful plan for your future. In the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, uh, you'll remember this great scene of George and Mary. They throw rocks at the old hotel on 320 Sycamore Street, and they make a wish. Let's watch that. Hey, Mary. As I was lumbering down the street, down the street, down the street. Okay, then I'll throw a rock at the old Granville house. Oh, no, don't. No, I, I love that old house. No, you see, you make a wish and then try and break some glass in. You've got to be a pretty good shot nowadays, too. too oh, no, George, you? don't. It's full of romance, that old place. I'd like to live in it. In that place? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't live in it as a ghost. Now, watch. It's right in the second floor there, see? What'd you wish, George? Well, not just one wish, a whole hat full. Mary, I know what I'm going to do tomorrow and the next day and next year and the year after that. I'm shaking the dust of this crummy little town off my feet and I'm going to see the world. Italy, Greece, the Parthenon, the Colosseum. Then I'm coming back here and go to college and see what they know. And then I'm going to build things. I'm going to build airfields. I'm going to build skyscrapers a hundred stories high. I'm going to build bridges a mile long. Were you going to throw a rock? Hey, that's pretty good. What'd you wish, Mary? Buffalo gals, can't you come out tonight? All right, whose prayer do you think God answered? Now, we know, of course, God doesn't answer all of our prayers and wishes the way that we want Him to. Um, because sometimes, I, I'm so glad, I, I, I think every now and then, I think about that good old country song, Thank God for Unanswered Prayer. Because some of our prayers can be kind of self-centered and a bit myopic. But we cling to biblical promises that give us hope for the future. Like Jeremiah 29, 11, that so many of us know. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for calamity, evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me 
when you seek me with all your heart. Do you remember back in the movie, too, that it wasn't until George was actually at his wit's end, he was on the bridge, and he said, Lord, I'm not a praying man, but please help me out of this situation. And sometimes it takes those kind of circumstances to get us to that situation where we're just surrendering our full life to the Lord. We have gratitude for our future because we know that the God who loves us today has meaningful, good things in store for our tomorrow, both now and the life to come. So as we count down on these final hours of 2018, where is your gratitude meter in your life? Are you experiencing gratitude for your past, for your present, and for your future? If you're having a difficult time with gratitude for your past, uh, you might want to consider something like Celebrate Recovery that helps you work through things in your past so that you can see God's hand on the whole of your life, that you might be able to experience the fullness of abundant life. How are you doing with the present? Are you feeling grateful for the present? Some of you have some health issues that are looming. Others of you might be looking for a new job in 2019. Or I know there's some younger people in our congregation that are looking to applying to schools and are, they're waiting anxiously to hear which school they'll be going to next year. Remember that you are not alone. Jesus is with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. But he's done way more than that for us. He's given us friends. He's given us a body. He's given us life groups. If you're not in a life group, I want to encourage you to be in a life group where people can share the things that you're going through, that they can pray for you and support you, and you can pray for them as, going, as they're going through difficult things. So where are you in your present with gratitude? How about the future? Some of you may have come through a season that was difficult. And you may be at the place where you're able to walk with other people and give them encouragement as they're going through a similar trial that you went through. I've come to appreciate this scripture from 2 Corinthians 1, very important. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves have received from God. We can bring comfort to others when we've received comfort from God for the difficult things we've been through. Wherever you are this morning in your walk with God, He wants you to be grateful for Him, for the life that you have, the abundant life that He promises in Christ. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the abundant life that we have in Jesus. Jesus, you are life. And sometimes we go through seasons of struggle and other times we're in really joyful seasons. Nonetheless, Lord, whatever season we're going through, we're grateful for the goodness, Lord, that you've given to us. I pray today, Holy Spirit, that you would touch people, Father, that are struggling with different things, either from the past or in the present, that you would give them your hope because you love them today and you will be faithful to them because you are faithful to your people throughout all generations. This we ask in the name of Christ. Amen.